This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hey, my cat-loving friends. Have you had a problem with urinary issues with your cat, urinary tract issues, UTIs, interstitial cystitis, the list goes on. We hear it a lot. Our favorite vet, Dr. Kelly Cairns, is back with us. She is VP of Medical Excellence and Education for Thrive Pet Healthcare, and she's a small animal internal specialist. So she is going to tell us all about this and a new term Reed and I didn't know, Pandora Syndrome. We will be back after this word from our sponsor. Kitty Poo Club reinvented the litter box. No more scrubbing that stinky plastic tray. Or worrying, oh my God, do my guests smell that? No cleaning, no scrubbing, no more stink. You are going to love it. Your cats are going to love it. Go to kittypooclub.com and when you order, save 30% on your first auto ship. Visit kittypooclub.com Use code MEOW30 at checkout and join the club, the Kitty Poo Club. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to 19 Cats and Counting. I am your co-host, Linda Hall, here with my ever-gorgeous BFF, business partner and occasional partner in crime but we don't talk about that online uh rita rymers (laughs) how are you rita i'm good but you know every time i hear pandora i think of two things i think of either the jewelry you know the pandora jewelry or i think of pandora's box of trouble box that's what i thought of pandora's (laughs) box so yes i am really excited to learn more about this because me too we get so much of this so yes dr kelly thank you for coming back we love you so much we do Thanks, ladies. You know it's my favorite day of the month. It's so great to be here. Ours, too. Ours, too. What's really funny is after we found out that this is what we're going to be talking about with you today, one of our, uh, I don't know what you want to call her, colleagues, one one of our, yeah, colleagues, I guess you'd call her. She said, have you ever heard of Pandora Pandora syndrome? syndrome. Yeah. Like, that is so weird. We didn't. So we're going to need you to really define this for us. So uh, the basic understanding we got from looking at it is that it's it's urinary problems, urinary tract issues caused by stress, which that we knew. Stress can cause urinary tract problems. We've seen it. So explain. Explain Pandora. She put you on the spot, didn't she? (laughs) Yeah, it may be one of the best kept secrets that is out there, um, but it shouldn't be. Let's let it out of the let's let the cat out of the Pandora's box. Oh, that's (laughs) a good one. (laughs) See what I did there? Uh, (laughs) Pandora syndrome. And whenever we use the word syndrome, it's kind of a fancy way to say we don't exactly know every single thing that's behind the cause. And likely the thing is multifactorial. But what it is, it's an anxiopathic meaning it is a pathologic condition that results when a cat has chronic activation of its central stress response syndrome. So basically, a cat will perceive that there's a threat. The cat chronically inside the body perceives there's a threat and there's persistent activation of this system. And 
That means that we've got abnormal levels of hormones and neurotransmitters of the autonomic nervous system, the endocrine system, and the immune system. And the result can be a problem affecting any organ system or a combination of organ systems. The urinary tract system is one of those frequently affected innocent bystanders. That makes yeah. so much mm-hmm. sense, though, doesn't yes. it? Yes. I mean, yes. Uh, and Catholics are high alert. And so, of course, everything internally is affected. Yeah. And we see it. Cats that are just so on alert. They're watching all the time. They don't sleep well. The slightest noise, they wake up. And we have heard clients say, took the cat to the vet, had a urinary tract issue. He said it's from the stress. So that makes sense. So how do we prevent it? And how do we treat it would be my two yeah. Big questions. So, <laughs> yeah. So the first thing is to recognize that it's there. Uh, and it's important to understand that kitties that have this syndrome, it's very variable in cat to cat to cat, just like people. We're all different. We all have different personalities. We all have different uh, levels of stress that we experience and manifest. And We're not really sure exactly why one cat might be affected and another cat may not. It's probably a combination of genetic differences, environmental differences, and vulnerability uh, that sensitizes this central stress response system to be activated early and then habitually throughout life. We even think that it could be before birth when that system is most susceptible because it's developing, it's most vulnerable to events communicated to the kitten inside the mother through the placenta. Um, But we can see cats develop this later in life. So we don't really know, you know, when did it come on? Did it come on later in life or was it hiding and waiting? How do you know if your cat has it? So this is the thing that's so tricky. Because this syndrome is an overactivation of the central stress response system, any organ in the body can be affected. So what you might see could be symptoms related to abnormal functioning of the immune system, the endocrine system, the behavior of the cat, the cardiovascular system. You could see urinary symptoms respiratory symptoms. You could even see nutritional symptoms, maybe a cat that habitually is a picky eater or overeats. The list goes on and on. So bottom line, you guys have heard me say this before, when your cat is not doing something right or correctly, or you're worried about it, get to your vet, have that conversation. So your vet can put the puzzle pieces together to say to you, hmm, this could be a manifestation of Pandora syndrome. Ah, okay. I I like. So, I mean, that's how you would get to a diagnosis. Most typically, though, we're looking at most commonly recognized, most commonly recognized organ system is going to be the lower urinary tract system. So if you have a kitty that's got lower urinary tract symptoms of illness, where the kitty is straining in the box, small frequent urination, maybe blood in the urinary box, painful urination, The most common thing that will cause that in a younger cat is interstitial sterile cystitis or inflammation of the bladder, which usually is because that is a manifestation of Pandora syndrome. Ah, funny you should say those words because we had a question. Someone said interstitial, I can't say that. (laughs) Word that I word cystitis or inflamed bladder. 
she is prone to it. And she takes aloe vera and D-mannose. And she wondered if that was safe for cats and what dosage she would use. So know anything about that? So that is a great question. So those are supplements that, so let me, let me back up. Human women can get an interstitial sterile, meaning unassociated with infection, cystitis or inflammation of the bladder that has some similarities to the reasons why cats will get interstitial cystitis, meaning it's got to do with the um, chronically overactivated stress response system in the human woman's body. And so there are some supplements or nutraceuticals that I'm aware that women can be given or prescribed or recommended to take by their physician to try to keep their bladder health up. Aloe vera in particular is not something that I've used for cats with interstitial cystitis. So I can't comment directly on how safe that might be or the dose. But D-mannose is a supplement that is given to cats and dogs as well. When we are trying to decrease the chance or the odds for a secondary bacterial infection. And so that is something that a veterinarian may say to a kitty owner, hey, go ahead, here's a brand I recommend, get that. And then they would give you the dose for your cat based upon what's going on with your cat and its weight. Awesome. awesome. Interesting. Awesome. Can I ask a question? Linda and I have noticed when we're doing some of our sessions that kittens that were born to feral mothers tend to be a more fearful, a little more high strung. And I'm guessing that they've passed that on, you know, the, the mother being nervous all the time out there. And those kittens, I'm thinking, might be more susceptible to urinary tract issues as well. Do you think that uh, those two things go together? That's a really interesting observation. And I'm not aware if anybody's actually done a formal study looking at the prevalence of this in kittens that do come from feral backgrounds, but it makes a lot of sense to me because of that connection, even in the in utero with the nervous system activation and the placenta. I, that is a really interesting thing to consider. That, Anybody yeah, out I, there want to do a study? <laughs> we exactly. <need> one. <laughs> it's funny Rita said that because yes, we have told people they get a kitten and the kitten was born in a rescue or a shelter. The kitten has never been outside, but mom was feral and this kitten has feral tendencies. And we said, look, no one's told us this, but anecdotally, we believe that moms pass this on like crows carry grudges. Rita always says um, they pass it to their babies, you know? And so we didn't know. So when you said that about the placenta, I was like, she's too. We said, I know I got very excited by that. <laughs> like that is what we had guessed that that could happen. So Sounds like there's a little science to build up at least passing these events on through the placenta. So it makes sense. We're very excited about that. I know that with some kidney issues, like I, I have been prone to kidney stones, although fortunately I haven't had one in years and I'm stopping to knock wood, but high oxalate foods, they've really wanted me to cut out. And so I've noticed now that they're putting a lot of sweet potatoes and cranberries and things like that into cat food. Is that a problem for our cats? Is that going to increase the problem? Cats can absolutely get calcium oxalate stones in their urinary tract and most commonly in their bladder, although they can get them upper in the kidney as well. For kitties, the most common things that are going to be risk factors for cats to get those stones are going to be first, number one, 
if their urine is always very, very concentrated, that is going to be a big risk factor for calcium and oxalates to stick together and precipitate out of solution and glom together into a stone. So the most common thing that you can do that's easy to control to prevent a cat from getting stones of any kind, including calcium oxalates, is to make sure they have access to plenty of fresh water. Dilution is the solution to the stone. Oh, I love that. Yeah, right? The other thing you want, really want to do is to make sure that the cat that might be prone to form stones, you might have heard or read on a pet food bag pH balance. So different types of stones are more likely to form when the pH of the urine is a certain direction. So calcium oxalate stones are going to be more likely to form in the setting of a low or acidic pH. So making sure that you have a nutritionally balanced diet that has the right level of a pH. Some of those urinary diets are, are actually designed to give you a pH that's not so low or acidic that you get calcium oxalate stones, but not so high that you get the other kind called the struvite or the triple phosphate that forms at a high pH. So it's balanced diet, balanced pH, and lots and lots of water. Yes. And I'll tell you, I have had a major increase in water drinking since I got a fountain. But for people that don't say, you know, we've done things like we buy that pet milk and we sometimes add it to the wet food. We'll add uh, bone broth to the wet food. Well, they doggy make, Raid, Kitty Raid. I was just going to say Kitty Raid. There are all kinds of flavored things that you can add safely to add more hydration if your cat is not, is fighting the water. My cats right. are hooked on now the bone broth from Made by Nacho. Yeah, I love that. Yes, exactly. So since stress causes, leads to this, and we tell people all the time, and I, I, I need you to back me up here. So there's one right answer, Dr. Kelly. Let me tell you, uh, we tell people all the time, cats are empathic, right? If I am upset, Subra will sense this from the other side of the house, even if I'm not making noises or crying, I'm just being sad, and will come straight to me to minister her aid to me. We're, you know, cats are empathic. Our, we're spreading our stress to the cats. We tell people when we're trying to integrate, you've got to keep calm and act like this is a happy thing. Is that right? Is this, is our stress adding to this problem with the cats? Yeah. You got to keep it calm. 100% they feed off us. Just but, like right? our kids do. Same thing, right? Exactly. Yes. I tell people, you know, when your kid has this major accident, you go, okay, everything's fine. And you know, you, you get sick and scream and freak out later because if you're upset, they're like, oh, something's wrong. Something's bad. So, oh, Rita's telling me we have to take a break. Yeah, let's take a short break so we can hear from one of our possum sponsors and we'll be right back. Kitty Poo Club reinvented the litter box. No more scrubbing that stinky plastic tray or worrying. Oh my God, do my guests smell that? Kitty Poo Club has solved the stink. And now the worst part of cat ownership is hassle-free. No cleaning, no scrubbing, no more stink. And the best thing is you don't have to buy some oversized contraption that will break down. Kitty Poo Club litter boxes are manufactured to make your life easier. You have one cat? Easy peasy. A small mountain lion? No problem. You are going to love it. Your cats are going to love it. Believe me, there are good reasons why we sold over 3 million boxes. Go to kittypooclub.com, read the amazing reviews, and when you order, save 30% on your first auto ship. Visit kittypooclub.com 
Use code MEOW30 at checkout and join the club, the Kitty Poo Club. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> And we're back with 19 Cats and Counting, the awesome Dr. Kelly. We love her so much, telling us about things we knew were happening, but we did not know there was actually a term, Pandora syndrome. Yes, and we're learning more a lot about the treatment and stuff. Now, I have always heard that males are more prone to urinary tract issues than females. Is that true and why? Blockages. Males are more prone to potentially life-threatening blockages. They're not more prone to the actual underlying inflammation or other pathology, but because of the structure of their urethra, where it's much smaller in diameter and longer, and it has to go around a bend because of the anatomy of a male, you're statistically more likely to see a male cat have a blockage, whether it's due to inflammation, making the urethra kind of uh, swell up and contract that diameter lumen down, whether it's due to a stone, whether it's due to what we call those mucus plugging, you're just less likely to see that happen in a female because they've got shorter, wider urethras. Right. They're they're more prone to just the infections. We have a lot of clients who have indoor-outdoor kitties, outdoor kitties. Now, I'm not talking about ferals. Ferals are outside cats, but I'm talking about your your cat. Yes. And I don't want to pass judgment, but we're kind of indoor kitties only. But people do it because they believe that cats need that enrichment of outside. So is taking your cat outside going to lower their stress level and actually help with this? Is it a is it a benefit? Are we less likely to end up with Pandora syndrome if we're letting our cat outside or keeping them inside? Or is there a difference? I strongly recommend that all cats be indoor only. It has been proven through studies The average lifespan of a cat who goes outside, even a little bit, is two to five years. The average lifespan of an indoor-only cat is 10 to 20 years. And when you really unpack the data and the numbers, the reason there's such a large splay is that once you get to be about 10 or 11, you're still a middle-aged older cat. We've talked about this before. Some of those kitties are succumbing to illnesses that would have happened anyway. We all know the indoor-only cat oftentimes, if they don't have a underlying disease process going on, can live to be 18 to 20. So it is dangerous for cats to be outside from trauma, hit by car, other traumas, illnesses and exposure to infectious diseases and predators, so many predators. So I want to put that on the record right here. I personally, and many, many of my veterinary colleagues, I can't speak for all of them, strongly recommend that all cats are indoor only. Amen. I agree. I'm the same way. But sometimes we'll have somebody that goes, oh, well, I live out in the country and they can just roam around. There's still predators out there. There, Yeah. I I had a cat break out a screen many, many years ago and got beat to snot by a raccoon and we found him on the porch they had to go into the vet real quick um yeah there's just too many things that can happen out there so yeah that makes me very nervous but uh we try not to be judgmental but yeah all my cats stay inside. no it is a value-free judgment-free zone here because i do know from direct experience as an internist with a lot of my amazing families 
who will share the why behind wanting to have their cat outside. And I can't disagree with the why. You know, let's face it, cats, you know, genetically, we're not bred to be in a house with people. That's we true. all know they bond with us. We all know they love it. We all know they get a lot from that relationship. We we all know the cat folks <laughs> that us and the folks that are listening know they're not aloof. They don't not care about us. They are very bonded to us. Okay. Having said that, there's less environmental enrichment in the confines of a modern day house. And my direct experience with amazing pet families that I've supported over the years is that's the why, because they want their cat to go do fun cat things. So I love you. I love you if you're one of those people and I celebrate you. There's zero value judgment. What we do know is that cats that are indoors can have, again, if their stress system and their endocrine system, if they're an inherently susceptible individual where they have some activation of that system, being in a house with no enrichment could put them at an increased incidence Absolutely. of those problems from Pandora syndrome or interstitial cystitis. It, that's okay. We can accept that. But the solution is pretty easy, actually. It's to do some very simple things you can do to enrich the environment of Thank your you. indoor cat. Adification, yes. to borrow a phrase yes. from uh, Jackson Galaxy. So important. Yes. This is something that is, uh, I actually am super grateful where I did my internal medicine residency at The Ohio State University. We have one of the world's leaders in interstitial cystitis and Pandora syndrome. Uh, and he is Dr. Tony Buffington. He's a board certified veterinary nutritionist. He also has a PhD and he has been leading the profession for research in this area. So you can go to, and I would strongly encourage you to go to indoorpet.osu.edu. It's indoorpet.osu.edu. .osu.edu. And there is a wealth of resources surrounding how you can very easily give your cat a Disney World with minimal effort and minimal lift that makes them healthier. That's a phrase Linda says a lot. Exactly. I, I just have to pause because you mentioned that she went to OACU. Excuse me. OH. <laughs> I-O. I live in Ohio. Sorry, I had to pause for that. But yes, if you look, you know, the, uh, those who are not listening to the podcast, but I can see the video on my bed. I've got a track with LED balls. I've got beds. Right now, I have bird TV playing on my television set. Enrichment, enrichment, enrichment. Yes, I have cat grass. I have that hammock to climb up to. I That's just in my bedroom. Don't even ask what else. There's a cat tree over there with scratching posts. There's a fountain around this corner. That's just in my bedroom. So I think I've given them everything they can get outside. Linda they lives in a grass. pet store. Do they can eat grass? They can climb high. I've got cubbies and places to hide. Yeah, I do all, I, I have I, all that too. I try to look at everything they like outside, and then make sure there's some of that in here. <laughs> Bring the outdoors in, especially exactly. those tall places. Cats need to climb. They need to be yes. able to get away. Otherwise, yes. what happens? Pandora syndrome, stress. Yeah, exactly. The stress and the feeling of so is cystitis and all this stuff. Is it on the rise considerably? I mean, we didn't hear it was. It seems like you know, Rita had a cat sitting business for over seventeen years, so we're used to listening to these people and the clients and what's going on. And it seemed like there was the occasional case, and then it seemed like everybody had it. Right, like ninety percent of the clients. Oh, especially the asthma. The asthma cases went. They just I shot know. up. But urinary tract too. What gives? 
it, you know, it could be a combination. I think to some degree that it's hard to say if there's an actual increased prevalence or if we all, veterinary professionals and pet parents, have gotten more astute at recognizing and therefore getting that cat to the vet. So 100%, you know, I'm going to tell you lower urinary tract problems, incredibly common. The blocked cat who can't urinate, who's straining, which is a life-threatening medical emergency. As you can imagine, if you can't urinate, that's not compatible with life. Um, we do see that every single day in veterinary urgent cares, general practices, and emergency clinics across the country. Well, and I want it since I'm stress contributes to it. We all know since 2020, we've all been little stress buckets. So, you know, if it has been increasing recently, I would to be understanding of that because we're passing our stress on to them, right? No, partly that and partly, you know, their lives changed twice. First, we're home all the time starting in 2020. Cats are used to us leaving and not being home during the day. So that was a change for their routines. Then we're going back into the office. Once the cats got used to having us around all day, now their routines are changing again. So that's two times we've stressed them out in the past few years. So what tips do you have other than us keeping calm about keeping our cats stress lowered? So the, so the environmental enrichment and it's multimodal, it is multimodal environmental enrichment. And if you go to, if you go to this website, indoorpet.osu.edu, it'll unpack in great detail all the different things that can be done. But multimodal means that you're looking at the cat's environment with some of the things that you've shared about what you've done with scratching posts and places to go, as well as um, the how you're interacting with them, when, how you're feeding them, and the relationship and the contact that is happening during that process that fits whatever you know your cat is going to want. Where are the litter boxes? You know, is that an unintended source of stress for the cat? Because it has to go through the mind, the perceived minefield, right? Of an area that might be scary. Um, and again, lots of water all over the place, which we talked about is always going to be good to, for good urinary health. There's a whole bucket. If, if you if you go to this website, the other resource I really want to give the listeners is an amazing book that has recently come out. It's an audio book you can get on Apple Books called Cat Mastery. And it, it is also written by Dr. Buffington. And it is very easy to listen to. It's, it's an audio book to give you, walk you through all the things that you can do to create an environment that's as emotionally and physically, medically friendly to your cat. And here's another tip that I would give for someone who says, look, my cat, maybe... Maybe my cat was feral. It was outside. I adopted it as a four-year-old and it's now it loves me, but it's, mm, you know, I think it has to go outside. Uh, there are also very creative things that you can do. And I have many colleagues who happen to be veterinarians who have done this. I have one colleague friend who actually created, and you can't do this if you live in the middle of a city, but where they live with their house, they actually were able to create what we would think of as a covered uh, dog run, but for the cats, where the cats are able to have an extension of the house through a little door, and now they're outside, but they can't get out because there yes. is an enclosure. Right? Yeah, now, we love catios. Those are the catios. best. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. I had a long-winded <laughs> explanation for something you summed no, up. No, I got it. 
bear in mind that those catios are going to have air goes through. It's usually mesh. So little critters can get through. Another reason why your cat should be on annual flea tick and heartworm preventive. You don't want a mosquito, right? Getting it. Yeah. But the catios are great. We did have a client too that bought that special fencing that goes up and then it goes backwards so the cat can't climb over it so that they could have access to their yard. I don't know if you've seen this or not, but yeah, it's fencing and then it goes in so that the cat can't. There's also one that's got a roller bar on top so they they can't. Oh, that's smart. I would like that better because that way outside cats also can't get in. That's right. That's exactly right. Here's, I also, and I'm sure you guys have seen these too. I've had some. Uh, clients and I've had some colleagues that have cats that just love the fresh air on their face and they love being outside. Have you seen the backpacks that cats can go into or the strollers that are totally zippered? I would be afraid that my cat would jump out of the backpack. I am not endorsing that for every cat. My cat, if I tried to put him in that stroller, he would perceive that there were 5 million coyotes right around him. He does not want to do that. He does not. He wants to eat a ham sandwich and sit on the couch. But, exactly. But these are creative things that for that cat that you know is going to respond to that. You can do, but first and foremost, I do want to emphasize envir- multimodal environmental enrichment in your house. Go to the website, check out the audiobook. Definitely. Yes. I have it up right now. I'm going to. Good. Yes. Checking yeah, that was- out. I was planning on trying to harness train one of my cats, but I'll tell you, every time I take a walk or a bike ride, there is a dog somewhere in my one mile radius walk that will run after me. And I am scared to death. I'm going to have my cat on a harness and a dog's going to come out of nowhere. And how in the world am I going to get that separated? So that has been a little fear of mine in um, in pausing, but I guess it kind of depends on where you live. Are you just bringing them in the backyard on the harness? Yeah. Or where you take the cat to have him. Yeah. Back. Yeah. But I would be really nervous about taking a walk with that cat because something could rush out of nowhere and then we're in big trouble, right? Trying to see if I oh did we so, get all our questions? Yeah, the ones that were submitted. Yes, I think so. So I think I covered everything. That's what I was just looking at. You answered all our questions as always, and you taught us so much. This is so valuable. It really oh. is. We always learn so much when you come on our show. We Please. do. Any last words? Yeah, I always want to leave our kitty pet parents with like a really actionable like. If this, then what? Can I, can I, can I do that with, yeah, I would love to with urinary stuff. So I just want to unpack what to do if you see symptoms of lower urinary tract disease. And you know, my answer to everything is call your vet, get to the vet, but let me be a little more specific because I really want to empower kitty families. Knowledge is power, right? So the symptoms of lower urinary tract disease are, as I mentioned, straining in the litter box, maybe blood in the litter box, small frequent amounts of urine in the litter box or urinating around the litter box, okay? Pain in the litter box. Obviously, if your kitty cannot urinate at all, that's a medical emergency. You've got to head into an urgent care or an ER. But if you notice these other symptoms, you still want to get to your vet and you want to have it checked out. Now, there's only so many things that are going to cause those symptoms. By far, the most common cause of those symptoms in a middle-aged to younger cat with no other, you know, existing medical problems is going to be this interstitial cystitis we talked about. There is no test that your vet can do to say, 
150%. That's what's happening. It is statistically the most common. What your vet is going to do is some diagnostic tests to rule out the other things that can cause those symptoms. And so they're going to be looking at in a kitty, most importantly, are there stones, calcium oxalate stones, struvite or triple phosphate, we call them stones. Um, less commonly, there's other types of stones cats can get. And your vet's going to do that through checking a urine sample and doing imaging, most commonly x-rays, sometimes an ultrasound. And that's how they know if there's stones structurally. You see those stones on x-rays and or ultrasound, depending upon the stones. The other thing your vet's going to want to do is make sure there's not a urinary tract infection. It's really important to note, cats are not small dogs. <laughs> In a dog, they get UTIs way more commonly than kitties. Kitties are naturally protected against UTIs because they're like little camels. They concentrate their urine and their urine and they have other things going on with them where a infection is going to be statistically less common than it is in a dog. The interstitial sterile cystitis is more common, but your veterinarian is going to want to make sure there's not an infection, which is a urinalysis or a urine sample and a culture of the urine, which says, is there actually an infection and what bacteria and what antibiotic is best? Okay. And then they're going to look and make sure that the organ function looks good. Make sure kidney function and everything else is looking good. They're probably going to want to do some blood tests, but that's Pretty much in a nutshell, when we hear hooves, look for horses, not zebras. Those are the most common things. There certainly could be other things going on. God, I like that. I'm right? going to use that. Yes. At the end of the day, your vet may say to you, great news, mom, dad, there's no stones going on. Kidney function looks great. Um, and, I, you know, there's no infection. This is probably interstitial cystitis. And now you know what to do about it because there's no specific treatment. We didn't talk about that. You you help the cat feel comfortable during the acute flare. It's kind of like if you have a muscle tear or sprain, you could do some things to help it feel better while it heals. I gotcha. But those are symptomatic treatments. What you want to now do is environmental enrichment and lots of fresh water to prevent the odds your cat may have another flare. Once an interstitial cystitis kitty, always an interstitial cystitis kitty. So a really? flare is always okay. possible. If there's a stressful event, something else going on with the kitty, a really crazy change in the household, you're going to host everybody to your kid's high school graduation party, right? We know we, Linda's got that going on. That's not happening at Linda's house, at least. <laughs> Thank <laughs> the Lord. That's a change. Right. So the, exactly. that's where you want to pay extra close attention and make sure you minimize stress through that new environmental exposure. I love. Okay. Okay. If I even leave this room, I turn music for cats on. I, you know, <laughs> I, any change, anything that's going to upset them. So I love that you're saying this. I'm feeling very, what is the word I want here? Very uh, backed up on this. Thank you. I'm thinking I feel more empowered because there's so much here that touches on the behavioral aspect, right? And people come to us that their cats have been under living under stress for like two years, which is horrible. So more than likely, they've got some of these issues going on or the potential for it, unless we fix the problem with them. We have to wrap up, unfortunately. I know. We ran over. We, uh, we could talk to you for like three hours, I swear. We I know could. we could. I know. <laughs> it's true. 
Thank you so much for all of this awesome information. We are going to put it to good use. I'm going to go and uh, read that cap mastery, or I'm sorry, listen to it. It's an audio. And I've already checked out as we were talking indoorpet.osu.edu. So everybody go check out those sources. Linda, as always, thank you so much for being my co-host. And have a wonderful graduation party for Cameron. Her last baby graduation party is tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Any last words of wisdom for us, Dr. Kelly? Ladies, thank you so much for being advocates in the space. I'm so grateful for you all. We couldn't do it without people coming on and sharing their wisdom with us. So thank you. It's kind of a similar thing. And of course, I have to thank Mark Winter for giving us this spot on Pet Life Radio and always making us sound good. Amidst my microphone issues, this one should sound good. I'm hoping. Yay! Remember, everyone, every day is cat day. We'll see you next time. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.